The Doctor Is In is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Nice to have you with me here on The Doctor Is In. You have always been a voice of reason through all of this. Appreciate your time, what you're doing for America. I give you advice. And doesn't work at all. You are definitely not inept by any means. I like to hear women say that about me. Whatever advice you're going to send my way, I am 100% taking it. I can't tell you what to do. I will not tell you what to do. Okay. Well, thanks. That wasn't the answer I wanted. Are you kidding me? Great stuff, Dr. Ray. I'm glad I called. I've scheduled my day around listening to your radio show. <laughs> you don't have to laugh so hard. Now, from the studios of Living Bread Radio Network in Canton, Ohio, the hometown of Mother Angelica, here's Dr. Ray. Little change of venue, little change of schedule. This is not Look Back Friday. This is Listen Up Friday. In other words, we are taking live calls. This happens every so often. I will talk to the guys over there at uh, Ave. Today, it's Eric Dumont producing the show. And say, hey, why don't we do why don't we do a show for call in rather than look backs? And so that's what we do. Uh, some people only can call in on a Friday. Uh, they work and they may have Friday off. Their schedule is not like mine. I have a very, very jam packed five hour a week schedule. So you know, here I am on Friday. Normally. This is look back, which means, well, I get a little bit of a break during the show because we play four or five minutes of the previous call, and I get to comment on it a little further. But not this time. You can call in, 877-573-7825. 877-57-EQUAL is the number to call to get onto the program. You have a question about something in your life, person in your life, circumstances, something that's befuddling you, something that's frustrating you, something that isn't doing any of those things. You're just saying, hey, uh, this is what I did. You got any thoughts on that? I always have thoughts. That doesn't mean they're accurate, but I always have thoughts. And if you want to help someone else, uh, yesterday we had somebody that called in. It was great. They had a nice suggestion on how to handle a situation, but they didn't get on the air because it was end of the program. So, if you have a suggestion, and it doesn't even really have to be for someone in particular that called in. It can be just a generic piece of advice. I like that. You folks are just a an absolute treasure trove. A reservoir of psychological and behavioral and spiritual suggestions. So, so very much welcome those. 877 Seven equal is the number. I came across this. I think this is so very true. And I think this answers at least some of the folks who experience social anxiety. They're worried about what people are thinking. They're worrying if people will notice how foolish they look, at least in their own mind. Ann Landers said this. At age 20... We worry about what others think of us. This is true. You do this all through adolescence. You just you think you think the eyes are on you all over the place. At age forty, we don't care what they think of us. That's true. I say the majority of us develop out of that phase where we're hyper vigilant to everybody looking at us and judging us in some way because my shoes don't match. At age sixty, 
we discover they haven't been thinking about us at all. Boy, that is so true, dear people. I'm going to do a monologue down the road someday on this. The idea that people are occupied with you and what you look like and how you conduct yourself, and most of the time they don't even notice. But that's not my monologue today. I'm going to draw a parallel. I've seen various statistics on what percentage of kids lose their faith that they were raised in when they go to college. I've seen 50, I've seen 52, I've seen 85. Whatever it is, and I think a lot of it depends upon how it's measured, I think a lot of it depends upon exactly the sample size, a whole bunch of things. You've got to drill down into the survey to get a, a better sense of what they're measuring. But I think it's safe to say that a significant percentage, and I'm going, to, I'm going to say it's over half, of children who go to college come out the other side with either far less faith or no faith at all. And you want to pay for that? Go ahead. Now, all right, there's, there's qualifications there, but I'll just, I'll just leave it at that. Why is this? Well, one factor is that these very, very smart professor types tell them in so many words why traditional religion is wrong misguided awful terrible it's done all kinds of horrible things to people over history and another factor a big factor is that the college life is libertine they have a lot of moral how shall we say looseness at college so you begin to act that way it's very natural correlation you leave your faith there you go so at age 20 21 22 these kids are influenced they are influenced right that's recognized that's psych 101 you can be influenced by your peer group we all are but we've noticed that the younger you are the more you are at least from adolescence on now where am I going with this? I saw several uh, revelations, I guess. The people did not know they were being filmed because they were being interviewed. And they, they thought they were just sharing their ideas to a, a friendly interviewer. When, in fact, the interviewer was just seeking how they're planning on doing things or how they are doing things. And in a couple of the cases, one of the teachers was giddy because she was saying that the children need to understand sexuality. They need to understand all the ins and outs of who they are sexually. And the younger, the better. That's right. Now, I think she was talking about K through 3. She said that in the sex education instruction that she was giving them, <clears throat> she was so happy because after that, Something like four or five of the children went to, I believe it was the office or maybe a guidance counselor or somebody outside the classroom and said, in fact, yeah, I'm, I'm gender confused. And she was all excited because her interpretation of that was, you see, all we had to do was make it very, very safe for them to say at age seven... I'm not sure I'm a boy or a girl. That's all I had to do, see? That's how she interpreted it. 
Psych 101. Little kids are highly influenced. And she even used that word. She said, we need to get to them when they're young and they're malleable. That's the word she used, malleable. So, given that, what am I saying? I'm saying we could interpret this by saying we confuse the kids. We could interpret this by saying this isn't something I ever even thought about at age 7 or 6 or 8 or 10. But we introduced it to them. And in fact, they absorbed it and became confused by it. That would be a standard interpretation. It wouldn't necessarily be the first interpretation, which is, well, you see, now we made it very open for them to share their confusion. In all likelihood, what we did is we confused them. Little kids are very, very easily persuadable. There are all kinds of... Well, I'll give you a small example on this one. This is one of the more fascinating studies I saw. They took these preschoolers, I believe, and they planted memories into them. They essentially said, do you remember? Do you remember you, you had... You remember you got hurt? You got hurt in class, and, and what happened was we, we had to take you to the emergency room. They, they planted these memories in these little kids. And the big grown-up was telling them, don't you remember, this is what happened, I was there, etc., 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 etc. And lo and behold, later on, when they asked these kids about this, some of them said, yeah, I remember, I went to the emergency room because I, exactly as they had heard from the big person. Psych 101. Kids are very malleable to ideas and thoughts, especially in areas that can confuse them. 877-573-7825. And from Iowa, oh boy, she's going to take me to the woodshed. And that's okay. This is Dr. Ray. The wisdom of Mother Angelica. And we need to pray for all our world leaders and all those who are in such danger. See, in a day and age where people are getting further away from God, you get further away from goodness. Only God is good. Do you remember what our Lord said one day? Why do you call me good? He said, only God is good. Only God. EWTN. Live truth. Live Catholic. Underwritten in part by the following nonprofit. Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything, even things you don't believe in? There are options. You can join Solidarity HealthShare, a faith-based health-sharing community. Plus, Solidarity HealthShare can save you money with prices starting as low as $384 a month for families. Call to see how much you can save. 844-398-9399. That's 844-398-9399. This Ave Maria radio program is brought to you in part by Fathom Events. The new feature film, Mother Teresa and Me, is in theaters for one night only, Thursday, October 5th. Mother Teresa and Me weaves together the stories of two women, Mother Teresa, who served the poor with love amidst her dark night of the soul, and Kavita, a young woman who is searching for love while struggling with her unexpected pregnancy. Information at FathomEvents.com. That's FathomEvents.com. 
Would you get on a plane that doesn't have a pilot? Investing in passive index mutual funds may present the same issue. The Ave Maria mutual funds are actively managed by seasoned investment professionals to help you meet your investment goals in a morally responsible way. Ave Maria funds are managed to conform to pro-life and pro-family values. Long-term investors could invest in the no-load Ave Maria mutual funds. You can learn more about the Ave Maria mutual funds at 866-AVE-MARIA or visit AveMariaFunds.com. Joining me, Dr. Ray Grandy, father of ten, five boys, five estrogen Americans. All right, I think Anne is bringing up a very good point, and I want to ponder this with her. Hi, Anne. Hello, and thank you. I think it's a good point also, and I'm pretty nervous, but it's not because I'm talking to you. It's because I'm up on a ladder painting. Oh, but, easy there. Um, I I was appreciated what you had to say to the lady. She either had six or seven children last, it was this week sometime, and um, it, one of the children was kind of wayward, I guess, and you at the end said, well, you did a hell of a job raising the other six, and it just broke my heart that you used... Um, eternal terms in such a loose way okay well that's very fair um is it was that the main interpretation for you Anne? that i just took a word that is is full of all kinds of meaning and just used it cavalierly well i guess yeah i i was just disappointed in you i i mean i know that I've listened to you before, and um, I'm not Catholic, but um, you have. I did call in once, and you gave me some pretty good advice, and you were joking around and everything. But it's not a joke to talk about hell or heaven in that way. Okay, uh, that that's fair. Let me let me respond to you on that. I've been on the okay. air 20 years, and that is the first time I ever said hell on the air other than in the context of talking about hell okay i believe that because mm-hmm. yeah. i was just shocked that you said yeah, it sure. okay go ahead so why would i why would i have done that well one i was hurting for this lady and she she clearly was distressed over this one child who had not only left the faith but left their family and she had five other kids who were all still in the faith. And I thought, what a record that is nowadays. That's tremendous. Five out of six? You don't get that nowadays. So because of that, I wanted to emphasize, yeah, for me, I said, I could have said, you did a great job. I could have. And at the moment, just came out, you did that kind of a job raising those kids. It was probably said for emphasis. But let me give you another thought on that. And I think your point is well taken, and here's where I'm at with that. There's a lot of language now in our culture. Some of it's really crude. But other of it, say, for well, I don't want to say the words, but they're, they're common curse words. 
Not using the Lord's name in vain, nothing like that, but just kind of common curse words. Uh, for example, something uh, SH, that word right there. Now, that has taken on a, a, a reputation as a crude word. Crude word. In fact, here's where I'm at, and I, and I know if uh, somebody can come in and correct me on this one. I see that as a crude word that might bother some people. I don't see it necessarily as a sinful word. It's just a crude word, and somebody say, well, you don't be crude. St. Paul says you focus on what is positive, you focus on what is good, and that's true. But our culture defines certain words. For example, you know as well as I do, Anne, there are words in our culture now, in the modern morality, that if you use them, you're dead. You better never use those words. So that's what happens. We, our culture takes certain words. And you're right. I wanted to emphasize to that dear lady that, in fact, she did that. I could see your point, but now you are the first one that has mentioned this, and I respect it, but I've got no other feedback from that. Okay, so I think they saw that I was using it in the context of a sentence to emphasize, and I wasn't demeaning in any way the concept of hell. Of course, that's a major league, serious, one of the final four things. But that's my reason. That was my rationale. But I'm glad you called me and told me about that. And I always take calls like yours because if you disagree with me or you're critical of something I did, I want to talk to you. Well, I, I do appreciate your program, and I appreciate that you did talk to me. And but I, I hope that you won't say it again. Say you did a heaven of a job if you want to say something. <laughs> okay, I got you. Be careful on that ladder. I am. Thank uh, you. All right. All right. Bye. Okay. Uh, let's see where we're at. Uh, <laughs> well, let's go to Teresa here from uh, Derby, Kansas. Uh, hi, Teresa. Thank you for the call. Yes, thanks for taking my call. You sound young. Um, no, I'm 60. Wow, you sound very young. Good for you. So, <laughs> well, thank you. Where's the confusion here? Um, I've been listening to EWTN for several years. Um, I heard a segment on there where it said if you miss Sunday Mass but it's not intentional, then it's not a mortal sin. However, speaking with my parish priest, because I'm doing about a six-month contract where I work 6A to 10P on Saturday and Sunday. So I asked him what I should do, and he said that does not take care of my obligation to go to another Mass during the week, or it's still a mortal sin. So I've just been going to confession, but can you clarify that for me? No, and I'll tell you why, Teresa. Because okay. I, I think I know what most priests would say. I'm not a priest. I'm not a theologian. Mm-hmm. I think they would say, because of your work schedule, there's absolutely no negotiability whatsoever. This is not something where you work from 6 to 5 on a Saturday and a Sunday, and a half an hour away there's a church that has a 7 o'clock Sunday Mass. Yeah, you would be obligated right. to get to that mass. You got no chance, none, zero zip, nada. So, right. if your parish priest told you, 
during the week, try to make a mass. No, he did, well, he didn't say try to make a mass. He said, you better make a mass or you're going to be in mortal sin. Is that what he said? No, he just said that does not take care of my Sunday obligation. Oh, period. It's I'm not quite sure. Sin. Well, he did say it's a mortal sin then. Yes. Okay. Well, let me also, okay, let me share with you my understanding as the church has taught it. They use the word grievous sin. God knows if it's mortal. Mm-hmm. Okay. Some things are objectively grievous. They're serious. They're major. But whether they would damn you or whether they would... Now, see, there's that word that I used, and I, I know and I'm hoping Ann's still listening, because I use that word, damn. Whether they would do that, only God knows, because he knows all the factors. Your degree right. of culpability, the church would call it. If you want to soothe your soul... My suggestion would be get the mass once during the week. Okay. That's easy enough done, right? Yeah. And and in fact, you want to look at it this way, too. You don't want to say, well, I better go to Tuesday morning mass to get my card punched. You don't want to do that. Mm-mm. You want to no. say, Lord, Lord, I can't, I can't make it to the Eucharist at the time that the church suggests strongly. <laughs> so therefore, I'm going to go at my opportunity to be with you. I think that'd be that'd okay. be good that would that would soothe your soul. And and whether or not that would be a serious sin if you don't go during the week. I think many priests would come with different perspectives on that. I think that's safe to say. Okay. All righty, dear. Thank you. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. You're you're welcome. I got that one. I got that one. Let's go to uh Kim from, I believe it's Worcester, Massachusetts, or Worcester? Yes. You know, the three hardest things to say in the English language, I'm sorry, I was wrong, and Worcestershire, Massachusetts. It's it's actually pronounced Worcester, as if, you know, Massachusetts. A-H, Worcester, A-H. Worcester, yeah, because it's close to Boston. Yeah, pretty good. <laughs> so your sister has decided that since she left the Catholic Church, she has now found the true faith. Yeah, and she knows everything that God knows, too. Whoa, whoa. Yeah. Because you it have says a... it in the Bible. Uh-huh. Did you she, have a... You know, Sola Scripta, she mm-hmm. Sola, um, is it Grazie, you know, Faith Alone, mm-hmm. she believes all that. Grazie, so. mm-hmm. Well, when did she leave the church? Oh, gosh, over, it's been probably 30 years now. Okay, because the reason I ask yeah. that is uh, she's invested an enormous amount of her time and her life into the belief system that she has now absorbed. So yeah. you're probably not going to budge her in any of this, are you? I mean, I would think that oh, when you no, bring up... No, in- it's like actually the opposite. She's trying to budge me too, like because well, my, well that's what I'm, I mean. You're not going to budge yeah. her toward Catholic faith at all, right? Right. Um, and so I, I try to just say, you know, you know, let's go with what we have in common, and like kind of agree to disagree. And you know, we we for the most part we don't. But then when we do, she just 
you know, gets offensive. She doesn't talk to me. So I guess my, you know, I guess I just need advice on how to approach her again or, you know, not approach her with the faith, but kind of just get along with her. And the only way you can get along with her is not talk to faith. I know. <laughs> now, she'll, what yeah. she'll do is she'll throw out things. She'll say something. For example, she might say something. Well, did you read about the latest priest who did blah, 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 blah? And then you'll you'll want to defend. You'll want to say, you know, the, that, that priest is acting against what the church teaches. Stay there. Don't go away. I ran up against the clock. Don't leave me. This is Dr. Ray. This is not Look Back Friday. This is Listen Up Friday. I'm listening up. Just like with Ann. 877-573-7825. Father Benedict Rochelle. I don't think people should have negative fears of God, but I think you should get a lump in your throat. You should feel excited. Suppose I was going to take you and introduce you to the Pope or to the President of some country or something. You might get a little lump in your throat. Forget it. Every day, you, I, live and move and have our being in the presence of God. These are the class of feelings we should have. And we should have them to an intense degree if we really had the sight of Almighty God. These feelings are the feelings which we shall have if we realize His presence. And in proportion, as we believe that He is present, we shall have them. And not to have them is not to realize, not to believe that God is present to us. The people you know and trust are on EWTN. Catholic Connection with Teresa Tomio. Suffering in the world, personal suffering. One of the biggest things that keeps people from really giving themselves over to the Lord or joining an organized religion. Suffering doesn't seem to make sense. Why do children suffer? Why are there wars? Why is there persecution? Why are some people poor, others rich? Why is there such an imbalance? And on and on and on. A loving God wouldn't do that. Well, God doesn't do that. First of all, we did it to ourselves because in the beginning, right, we chose incorrectly. And then sin came into the world. It was not supposed to be like this, but God gives us free will. He does not want to force himself on us because otherwise we would be puppets. But how many of us can look back and forget what came out of a particular hard time? You don't learn really good, strong lessons when everything is going great. Catholic Connections, Teresa Tomio. Weekdays, 9 a.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. Nice to have you with me. This is not Look Back Friday. Every so often, we have a call-in show on Friday because there are folks who can only call in on Fridays. They don't have a job like I do. A grueling five-hour-a-week schedule. Starting late, quitting early, and four breaks in between. Brutal. But for me... It's all about commitment. I'm talking to Kim uh, from Worcester, Massachusetts. I'm getting that right. 
30 years ago, her sister left the Catholic Church and entered into what sounds like a conservative uh, Protestant tradition or congregation. And, well, even, I, I guess, Kim, here's where I'm confused. In these 30 years, she she is still uh, flinging jabs at you about this? Yeah, and it's only when something comes up. And the last time, it was just because my daughter had a question about, shared something on predestination. I said, well, that's not a Catholic teaching. And so, and she asked her aunt, which is my sister, and she said, well, my mom taught it to us, but I know my mom didn't because we were raised Catholic and even my brother agrees, like, no, I never taught that because it's not a Catholic. So, but then she just kind of just would send me, like, scripture. Well, we'll read this, and, you know, that's the, right. what she does. Okay. She'll just, well, she's not she's not nasty about it. She's just trying to straighten you up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, so, I guess she feels she feels an obligation. She, You might even, <laughs> this would be funny, you might even ask her, uh, do do you think that I am risking my soul by being Catholic? You might want to ask her that. Because if she says yes, then that'll tell you why she's probably still doing this to you. Yeah. Okay. I, I mean, I think I I think she does think that you know. Well, then here's what you do. I know this isn't exactly what you said because you wanted to get along with her better. But here's what you do. Say, so what would I have to do to to be a Christian? What would I have to believe? You'd have to believe that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. I believe that. What else? That the Bible is the only word of God. I believe that the Bible is the inspired word of God. What else? In other words... She's going to have to start picking things that, that you're wrong about. Well, you pray to Mary. You worship Mary. So would that then negate my belief in Jesus Christ? If I'm wrong about that, does that mean all of a sudden now i got to be right on every single thing about the faith or I'm going to risk my soul? And if she says yes, I say, well, uh, are there people within the Protestant world that don't think like you at all. They don't believe in predestination. So are are they risking their soul? In other words, you're, you're just going to ask her these things. So like, okay, tell me, what is it that you're so, so trying to save me from? That's what I would do if she brings it up now. She's going to get yeah. mad. And I'll tell you why she's going to get mad. Because, Kim, if you're good at this, She's going to get inconsistent. She's 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 not really thought it through like this. All she knows is that her understanding of the Bible, because she has the Holy Spirit, is correct. That's all she knows. You're wrong because you believe that the Catholic Church teaches what our Lord wanted taught. You're wrong because she's got the Bible. She's got the Holy Spirit. Okay. Now, you recognize her as a Christian. The church would say she's a separated brethren. Okay. Yeah. She doesn't recognize you as a Christian. Probably not. I remember I remember the first time, I forgot, I was playing ball, played against this team, and on the team was the pastor of a, a local independent congregation. 
And one of their ball players told me, our pastor told us that you're not saved. I said, what's, what's he mean by that? Well, that you're not gone to heaven. And I said, well, I'm not going to presume I'm gone to heaven, but I believe I'm a Christian. Well, he doesn't think you are. And I, that shocked me. I, that was my first exposure to what your sister is doing to you. Which is, you're Catholic, so therefore you're not going to heaven. Because you're so wrong. So I would just kind of, in a sort of Columbo way, try to get her to explain why she feels the need to save your soul. Not nasty. But otherwise, you just, when she sends you things, I, I, I got people who send me things all the time. And most of the time it's from a different political perspective. And they're sending me these things because they want to straighten out my thinking about various aspects all right okay fine you can do that uh i just let it go in one ear and out the other is all i do you got here's what you got to be careful of kim you got to be careful that you don't take it personal that your sister is insulting you is that happening no i don't take it personal but sometimes i feel like she actually takes it personal because I sense it, you know, because there are, there's been over those, these 30 years, we've actually, you know, been very close and have, you know, but I sense when this happens, she, I can sense her, te- you know what I mean? There's tension here, there, like she's. Okay, um, here, here could be, here could be the, uh, the flip-flop of that. She thinks because she left the Catholic Church, you think She's made a major spiritual mistake that is going to risk her soul. Do you think she thinks that? I don't know. <laughs> you could ask I mean, her. Yeah. Do you, do you think that I think that you're risking your soul because you left the church? Because she's, for whatever the reason, just intent on convincing you she's correct. Right? Well, because she had made a comment that when we were talking about something, and she said, "Well, don't." She's like, "Well, don't forget, I was I was a Catholic, so like that reference was like, well, I was a Catholic, so I know everything that Catholicism teaches." Kind oh, of, you know what I mean? Yeah, and that's I've why heard. I left. I've heard that you one all the I mean? time. People say, "I know everything yeah. the church teaches." No, they don't know a thimbleful of what the church teaches <laughs> and why. They I don't. <laughs> I, I get that all the time. It's yeah. So I, that's I, I saw. Why I, I, I heard a guy say once that it is rare for someone to actually leave the Catholic Church when they understand what she teaches and why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is rare. Yeah. Most of the time... I think of go ahead, Scott Hahn's reference to, um, you know, Protestants have the menu and Catholics we have the... What does he say? They have the menu, we have the meal, you know, is with the Eucharist, so... Well. I don't know if you've yeah. ever heard that, but my dear, just try you try to stay close to your sister and uh, probe a little bit. You don't have to you don't have to debate the specifics, but debate the process. Yeah. Right? No, that's good advice. No, I, I appreciate. You know, that's what I was kind of looking for, like a sort of round. You know, not a roundabout, but a way to kind of sure initiate her to open up more. So it, when you. this does happen, and like I said, it's not like us. Like every time we see each other. Yeah, I got it. So. But, thank, you, right, thank you, Kim. All right, Dr. Ray, I appreciate you're, it. You're welcome. 
877-57-EQUAL. 877-57-EQUAL. We're at the bottom half of the show. Uh, Call in. You'll get on. I'm Dr. Ray. Sanctity is not an outgrowth of a person's political opinions. Sainthood is about the demonstration of heroic virtue, and that has virtually nothing to do with a person's politics. Not all political views are equally good, but whatever your political view, you can be a saint. Because being a saint doesn't mean that you have all your intellectual opinions perfectly formed. It means you have been purged of disordered self-love, and you have put on Christ. The late Cardinal George used to say, the church is not conservative or liberal. The church is Catholic. Dorothy Day, was she conservative or liberal? Oscar Romero, conservative or liberal? St. John Paul II, conservative or liberal? We have a different agenda, even when it comes to the social order. But our primary agenda is sainthood. Cresta in the Afternoon, weekdays at 4 Eastern on EWTN Radio. Is there a universal call to prayer? The Catholic Catechism tells us man is in search of God. God, in the act of creation, called every being into existence from nothingness. Even after man sinned and lost his likeness to God, he remained an image of his Creator and never lost his desire for the one who called him into existence. All religions attest to man's essential search for God. The Catechism points out, however, that God calls us first to that mysterious encounter, prayer. God always initiates. Man's first step in the process is to respond. Prayer is a reciprocal call. Throughout the whole history of salvation, the covenant drama unfolds. The revelation of prayer in the Old Testament comes between the fall and the restoration of man. This is Peggy Stanton, and this has been the Order of Malta's Minute with the Catechism. Did you ever notice that the idea of living a long time appeals to most everyone? But the idea of getting old doesn't appeal to anyone. I welcome people wanting to talk the faith when they are confused about Catholicism. I got a friend of mine who called me and said there's a retired pastor who lives across the street, and uh, he's, he's clearly coming from a, a evangelical Protestant perspective. But he's, he's open to understanding why do you Catholics do these things? Why do you think these things? Where does this come from? So we're going to have breakfast with the guy. Haven't set it up yet, but I, I welcome that. I, I like to, in fact, engage in those kinds of conversations. But most of the time, I don't say, well, this is, this is, what, this is what we think, and this is why what you think is falling short. No, I don't do that. I'll say... So how did you come to that conclusion? What, what do you think the Catholic Church teaches? Why do you think they teach that? I want to see, let them explain to me why they come from the perspective they do. Or it might be something as simple as, why'd you leave the church? One good thing about leaving the church if there is a good thing, 
Some of them still stay within Christianity, which is good. And maybe, maybe their their actual Christianity is stronger, believe it or not, than it was when they were in the Catholic Church, for whatever the reason. They were either going through the motions they didn't understand. The Catholic Church is reverent. The Mass is reverent. And uh, reverence in our culture is something that's fading fast. Teresa from Oregon. Hi, Teresa. Hello there, Teresa. Hello. Hey, thanks for the call. Yes. Um, so I have a question about um, how to deal with someone who has PTSD. Mm-hmm. My daughter recently got married, uh, and her spouse has, um, has that from the war in Iraq. And I don't see them very often because they live pretty far away from us. But from what I can tell so far, I mean, I haven't spent a lot of time with this young man, and um, he lacks self-confidence, and um, and I just I wanted to know if there's like any Catholic programs that can help with healing of PTSD. Um, I know I met other guys from Vietnam, and I know that they're still dealing with this, and so I just wanted to know how to interact better with um, people who are struggling with this. Is any okay? Let me uh, add a couple of prefaces here. Um, don't get caught up in the label, mm-hmm. post-traumatic stress disorder. Don't get caught up in the label because then you start to think, okay, he's got an affliction. Mm-hmm. You're going to deal with your son-in-law as a person. This is who he is. This is whatever he manifests in his personality. Like you said, he's a bit insecure. Whatever it might be, that is what you're going to interact with, who he is. So given that, uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't get too caught up in saying, okay, he... He's got some affliction, and therefore, because of this affliction, i got to be careful how I interact with him because I'm not really sure how to interact with people with PTSD. If he was, quote-unquote, a normal person, then I have enough social skills that I could learn how to interact with him. Don't, don't get caught up in that. He's your son-in-law, and whatever it is about his personality, his adjustment, uh, that'll come out. And you, with whatever social skills and love that you have, Teresa will interact with him that way. Uh, obviously, you want to show him you care for him, you accept him, you engage him in conversations, you find out a lot about him when you can. Um, that's what you do. Uh, you, don't, you don't have to worry about what words you use and exactly how you phrase it because you could set him off. Uh, that's highly unlikely. Uh, obviously, your daughter apparently loves the guy right mm-hmm. okay so they got a decent marriage um whatever it is that is showing up from being in iraq how long ago was he in iraq well many years ago okay that um, the the the, the and, war 20 2002 or whatever it was yeah 19, yeah, yeah exactly. okay so that's 20 and, years ago and so i mean i know for him from what i can tell it's it affected him deeply. Um, he told me that uh, he had six buddies that he knew who died, and then since he came back, four more that committed suicide. Oh my gosh! And so. Oh, oh, geez. Uh, is it a sadness to him, or is it a bitterness? I think more a sadness. Okay. 
And so he's the other been, thing is, like, I don't know if I should broach him and say, you know, what happened, you know, share with me what he went through. I wouldn't. If okay. he wants to, if he wants to talk about it, you're a good listener. Okay. You can you can just listen and empathize a little bit, sympathize. Uh, how long has he been married to your daughter? A month. Oh, whoa! This is really new. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, oh! Okay, okay, okay. So he's got to be forty-ish. Uh, he's close to that. He's a little younger, but yeah. Okay, because he was well. Then he was a. 18, 19-year-old boy when he was in Iraq. Yeah, those are, I think so. Oh, boy. Okay. Well, interestingly enough, and this is just between you and I, I'm always curious about the intervening 20 years. In other words, if we say he went through that kind of trauma in Iraq and he's had reminders of it as his as his buddies have taken their lives, yeah. how, did he, how has he adjusted to the last 20 years? How is what decisions has he made? Has he gotten into alcoholism? Uh, is he on medication? What what is going on with him? Okay, um, mm-hmm. at this point, um, I think you're just going to be a good mother-in-law. That's what you're going to be to him. You're going to show him that you love him and you care for him and you're interested in his life and what he's doing, that kind of thing. Because you really aren't a major part of his life. They live in another state, so you see him a couple three times a year. Yeah. So your interactions, by their very nature, are not going to go very deep. Now, you may get a lot of calls from your daughter who says, Hey, Mom, how do I handle this kind of thing? That may happen. Yeah. So do you know of anything, I mean, to help guys who have gone through this? Yeah, there are programs out there and obviously individual therapy. I don't know exactly from a Catholic perspective what's available. I just don't know. You can check. I mean, you can. that's one thing wonderful about the Internet. Do a search. Uh, very, very easily. But the other thing is this. He's got to want to. Yeah. You can't, you, you're not in a position to say, I think this program would help you. You don't know how he would take that. Yeah. If he reveals yeah. himself to you a little bit, and then you say, well, is there is there any programs you'd be interested in? Then you could say that. But as opposed to, well, I was doing some research, and here's something I know you've been diagnosed with PTSD, and here's something I think you could benefit from. Uh, you, you, that's that's touchy. Okay. Yeah. All righty. Okay. Thank right, you very dear. much. I appreciate you're, it. You're welcome. Thank you. All right. I'll be right back. I might have gone to church, you know, at Christmas time. Gradually quit going. It's not as scary as I thought it was. <laughs> It's a much more warm and open place, and God really is about love. It's not about the rules and the things that I remember as a young child. It really is about the love that God has for each one of us that's so um, deep and wonderful. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for any reason, visit catholicscomehome.org. What is going to happen to the number of people living alone into their 80s and 90s? 
I'm Chuck Gatica, and this is Journey Strong. For various reasons, the number of seasoned saints in their 80s and 90s is climbing fast. Within this decade, the first baby boomers will turn 80. Gray divorce is a thing. And of course, there is the reality of our mortality. As expected, more females will enter their 80s and 90s alone. These statistics are sobering, but they don't have to be depressing. Some like living alone. Many of us have family nearby. But the stats show that families and public policy will be affected greatly by this demographic shift. So what can we do? Plan ahead. Honestly assess your health and abilities and make adjustments, even to your home. Embrace technology to help you on this journey. Build community with your family, friends, and in your parish. And remember, Jesus is always with us. It's a promise. For more, look for the Journey Strong tab at the homepage of AveMariaRadio.net. Underwritten in part by this not-for-profit. Are you looking for peace? Logging for joy? Want to meet the giver of all goodness? God is calling the laity to bring Ignatian prayer into a suffering world. Work for the new evangelization. Go to LordTeachMeToPray.com. Order your free digital training and manual. Find true happiness and everlasting joy. Go to LordTeachMeToPray.com. And click on the red button today. It's free. Approved by the USCCB. always wanted a job where people say, you get paid for doing that? Nice to have you with me here on The Doctor is In, Monday through Friday, 1 o'clock Eastern Time, co-production of the WTN Global Catholic Radio Network, as well as Ave Maria Radio Communications. Today, my producer man and call screamer is Eric Dumont over there in Ann Arbor. Joanne from Ohio. As a comment, and I welcome those. Joanne, what part of Ohio? Akron. Oh, you're not far from me at all. You're 15 miles north. Right. Well, thank you for the call. Um, my comment is for the lady, or one of them, I have two comments. The lady who has the job that keeps her busy on Saturday and Sunday. Mm-hmm. Uh, in our area, I don't know if she does in her area, Near the university, there's sometimes like an 8 p.m. mass or 10 o'clock mass, but she might explore that kind of thing. You're talking 10 o'clock at night? Yeah. Oh, I was. We have we have an eight o'clock here, or we did at our local university uh, for the students on Sunday nights. But she doesn't she doesn't get off till ten, so she works from 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. Saturday and Sunday. Oh my gosh, I I guess I missed part of that. Yeah. Yeah. But you're right. I mean that that uh, I don't know where she works or how far the chapel away. But the 10 p.m. is the man by far the latest I've ever heard. Uh, now is that at uh, is that Saint Sebastian up there? Is that at the University it's of Akron? Actually, 10:30 I think was Walsh is what I had heard. Uh, Eight is Saint Bernard's Akron. Ten, th- you know it's now Walsh. Walsh is in my hometown, and I've never heard of a 10:30 mass. My wife knows all the masses everywhere. And we've never heard of a 10.30 p.m. Mass. Now, that that could be. Uh, I'm ignorant on that, that's for sure. Okay. But you're right, the universities... Pre- Go ahead, dear. Did that priest say that she was, if she went to Mass during the week, that she was it was not a mortal sin for her then? What was he saying? I, 
I'm not sure, again, anytime anybody says what another person told them, you always have to be aware that they could have misunderstood what the other person told them. He may have said, if you could somehow get to Mass, even given your work schedule, and you don't, that's a serious sin. He may have said that. Um, I don't know. She says he said that if you don't go to Mass during the week to more or less fulfill your Sunday obligation, then in fact, that's a serious sin. Now, I've never heard priests say that, uh, and I I should have I should have invited some priests to call us in and, and talk about that. Um, but to, to give her peace in her conscience, and, and also basically to say, hey, Lord, I, I can't get to you on a Sunday, so I'm I'm coming when I can. Um, just go during the week, you know. But I, I think the fact that she was so nervous about that, um, when, when I suggested just go, she said, yeah. okay. It's kind of like, whoa, wait a minute, I, I, just don't, I just don't want to be, I don't want to be in a state of grievous sin here. Well, I, I suspect... I should have had uh, Father Mitch call in, or Father Ricardo, or Father Larry, or any of any of our high-profile priests. You had to call in, yeah. and and just what? let us let us know on that. But I, I don't think so. You know, typically the and I've even you know, let's say for example, you're caring for an elderly parent in a nursing home, and you're there. You're there pretty much all day Sunday because you have to supervise them. Well, that's considered uh, a mitigating circumstance. That, that in fact, I remember when my uncle was in the nursing home, uh, the priest came to give him communion. And uh, I think he said, whether correctly or not, I think he was correct. He said that, in fact, the one-hour fast obligation was not in place because this was a circumstance where somebody was being, was being taken care of. So, well, thank you. I, my other thought was um, the Protestants think we worship Mary, but we don't. We honor Mary. That's a, that's that. a common misunderstanding. But it's interesting, Joanne, though. I've heard a lot of non-Catholics say, okay, so you honor her, but you honor her too much. <laughs> I've, heard, I've, heard, I've heard that. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then at that point I say, well, how can you honor the mother of God? And then they get mad at that phrase, too. But in fact, logically, she is the mother of God if Jesus is God. You don't say she's the mother of Jesus, but not his divine nature. So, so given that, um, you're right. Some some will simply say, "I just don't. I just don't like the elevation that she has in the Catholic Church." You're right. Uh-huh. All righty. Well, thank you, dear. Thank okay. you for the call in, thank and you. appreciate it. All righty, running out of time. It was nice to spend this Friday with you. Uh, don't get to do that very often. Most of the time we reserve this for Look Back Friday. However, my lookbacks are piling up now. And Eric Dumont was the uh, call screamer and uh, producer man. And you can say man. He is a man, so producer man. I can define man and woman. Uh, I'm not a biologist, but I can define it. Pretty sure I can. I would say something like, well, if you have an XY chromosome and you're 37 trillion cells in your body that's a pretty good indication you're a guy all right this is dr ray thank you for joining me so much here walk with god and if you got kids take them along for the walk
Where's the music, Eric? No music? It's coming up. Oh, you're you're counting that down to the music. Oh, Andrew counts down to the end of the show. I'm so confused. For information on Dr. Ray's presentations, books, and CDs, visit DRA.com and follow him on Facebook. The Doctor is In is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network.